I'm a vision in sensorites this evening. Oh, yeah. Nice. Ah, that's what it Fantastic. is. Now yes. Oh, Peter Glaze again. Uh, strictly speaking, I think it's Ken Tilson and Joe Gregg. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, plate feet and grey heads, knowing that every mind can be read. <laughs> oh, the sensorites. <laughs> <laughs> I can't claim, can't claim credit we for that. Done, that's a tap we haven't word. done that yet, have we? That's... So your time no. will come. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy. When you do that. Whenever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mm, I have watched Sense Right several times, but I'm not quite sure why. Previously on Something Who. Welcome to the podcast where we take something old, a Doctor Who story from the original series, compare it with something new, one from the new series, and add something borrowed to make Something Who. Hello, I'm Richard, and we're back with Something Who podcast, where we discuss a couple of Doctor Who stories about alien invasions that use duplicates. First, we'll look at Fourth Doctor story, The Android Invasion, from Season 13, and after that, we'll examine Ninth Doctor story, Aliens of London and World War Three from Series 1. And with me to decide whether they're fine representations or a crude copy of a classic Doctor Who story, we have a great lineup headlined by our special guest, actor, stand up comedian, writer, presenter, and podcaster, Toby Haydoke. Hello. Hi, Toby, and welcome back to Something Who. But of course, this is your first regular episode. Yes, well, th- thanks for having me. I have been, I've been trying to get fit, so I've been listening to you fellows on many a jog, and uh, it's distracted <laughs> me from the pain. <laughs> Next up is science and astronomy writer Giles. Hello, Hello Giles. Richard. Hi. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Tony. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and finally, writer, storyteller, and missing episodes expert Paul. Hello. Good evening. Okay, Brill. God, I've just got to take the bait. So of all the stories to have watched several times, Richard, you're volunteering the censor rights. All the goodness that you haven't seen, you've only, only watched on transmission and haven't seen since. Well, the thing about the censor rights is, if we if we must talk about it, it has a very interesting first episode, I think. Ah. Mm. First two. And I've often, I've often been sort of, you know, suckered in by that, thinking this is a lot better than I remember. But it, but it tends not to last very long. For a little while with the Android invasion, I was thinking it might belong to that subset of Doctor Who with a really atmospheric first episode, mm. which is mostly just the regulars exploring somewhere. And then it all goes downhill yeah. when the story starts. But of course, it turns what, out not, not to be what one of those. What, Space Museum or something like that? So, yeah, mm. I, some yeah. might even count the web mm. planet in that category. There's a lot of it in the early years, of course, because there's a lot of exploration. Most Hartnell sci-fi, yeah. Anyway. Aliens of London, written by Russell T. Davis and directed by Keith Bowick. Ah. So, Nice man, yeah. Keith. Well, look, here's the thing. In 2005, I nursed this fond thought that perhaps I could encourage Mrs. Smith to watch the new series of Doctor Who with me. I mean, it was, it was, it was undoubtedly populist. It was a Saturday evening kind of thing. You know, we often sit down in front of the television together to watch drama series it, it this this kind of felt like this might be the time I, I might perhaps engage her in my abiding fandom 
and uh, it was looking, you know, possibly promising. And then we sat down together to watch Aliens of London. And unfortunately, the combination of farting aliens and what I might describe as kind of CBBC sort of acting at, at various stages in, in the programme, it broke the spell. She she never watched it since. I mean, she was uh... never that enthusiastic, it has to be said, but it definitely finished her off in terms of the of the of the new series so uh, and it didn't really matter that next week uh, or the week after the next was dalek because she wasn't going to be sitting down and watching it so i mean you know so that, you that, have very I, fond memories of it, it, it it's, it's got that it, it <laughs> does have that baggage nonetheless saying all that when i watched it for the second time today it was better <laughs> than i remembered right you didn't get pangs uh, you know, sort of shivers down your spine and sort of like pains in your chest the memories of what could have well, been well look i'm i'm a geek you know i mean i i've i've watched doctor who for very nearly 50 years now uh, and i never really imagined that it was going to be a thing that anybody else would watch i mean that's not true when i was a boy of course all the other boys and some of the girls watched doctor who but you know since about 1980 it's not been remotely cool and so even though it did become quite cool for a section of the populace in the mid to late 2000s, the Smith household was not one of those places. Well, I'm going to take your geek and raise you, Richard, because this is the second time you've watched it. I watched it more in its first week than you watched it in your... I, yeah. I, I, I used to watch it on the Saturday night, then I'd watch it again on the Saturday night, right. then I'd watch on the Sunday morning, yeah. then I'd probably watch midweek, then I'd watch on the night before the next episode. So I'd probably watched it five times yeah. before the next episode was on. I'm not boasting when I say that. I'm aware of how much of my life I have wasted watching Doctor Who, but I, I just have to con- confess the, the level of my commitment to the cause. Yeah. I, what I liked about what... But I haven't seen this for a while. Mm. And I, I too have that spectre of... I remember one of... The, and this is what's lovely about being, uh, you know, somebody interested in the history of the programme. This has now become the history of the programme. And I look back and I go, I remember going on to Gallifrey Base to see Jason Arnup's spoiler-free previews of the next episode coming up, which used to come on a Wednesday or Thursday, because I think he watched them for SFX or something like that. So that was all part of, that was all part of the the ceremony of sort of watching and preparing. And and I loved it, and and, and that that he'd give us some hints, but wouldn't spoil it. And that was exciting. I remember... Him saying, you know, this is the first one that's a bit subpar. It was going to happen at some point. We're going to get a, a not great episode. So I sort of came into it expecting it to be one that, that didn't quite work. And so a bit like Android Evasion, with lower expectations, I was actually, I, I rather enjoyed it. Yeah. But it, I still think it was seen as perhaps, you know, tonally it, tonally askew compared to the rest of the season. And, and, and time hasn't done anything to uh, improve that. that. That first block, you can see what they're working out and, and where they sort of gather at the end of it and probably had a post-mortem and went, you know when people run? Shall they run like people <laughs> run and not like people running like they're a caretaker after some pesky kids or you, you know do you know what i mean there's there's as you say that the, there's a there's a sort of tonality to it but even looking at things like the the color palette of rose tyler's mum's flat suddenly brings that period of time flooding back yeah. to, to watching mm. it and i think what's lovely is that when the series came back you know, suddenly I was like, well, I don't need to watch a lot of my old ones now because I pretty much watched all of Doctor Who so many times. There's new Doctor Who and this is amazing. And then I kind of saturated myself in that. And I haven't seen a lot of these 
for a while now. And then to go back, and the ones I have seen, I started to watch during the, the, the plague when Emily Cook, you know, did the tweet yeah. along of Rose. And, and we had somebody staying with us who'd never seen Doctor and she loved Rose. So I showed her a few others, didn't tellingly show her <laughs> Aliens of London and World War Three. Yeah. Mm. And to suddenly start looking at them as historical artefacts mm. uh, are not the brand new thing makes them live anew and that's what I love about being a Doctor Who fan is that you can you can revisit something that you're very very familiar with and I've confessed to how many times I must, must have watched these episodes especially in the you know first couple of years after transmission to now be looking back on them as 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 clues to the the making of the program and nostalgia fests in terms of what it felt like to be a fan at that time I really enjoyed doing this exercise that you set us more than I thought I thought well I'd better watch Aliens in London just to remind myself of it but going through it and seeing all of those different elements to it again I'm not it's got a lot of flaws but they are of historical interest and Mm. they're entertaining what ifs in terms of you know if they'd carried on down that route or if they hadn't changed that so I found it really fascinating to watch these two episodes again and I think they throw up lots of interesting things to observe and comment on yeah can't argue with that. I can't argue with that, so I'm not going to. Are you not Paul? No, it's Giles. No, I, I've got nothing, not, nothing oh, to add to okay. that. Okay. To be honest, yeah, I've very little to add. I'm trying to remember when I got into, when I sort of joined online fandom, because I've been away from away from Doctor Who fandom for a long time. Well, I was still going to the Fitzroy Tavern, but that was just more to, more to keep up with friends than anything. But I've been kind of off Doctor Who for... Yeah, I guess since the, since the nineties, I I sort of drifted away from it, and so all this period again, it's very heavily nostalgic for me. That whole getting back into it and thinking, oh, Doctor Who's back, and oh, and it's actually rather good, and they seem to, it's actually rather like Doctor Who as well as being rather good. It was, you know, mm. and and this one, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's it's more to my mind. It's it's more out of place now looking back. The issues with it stand out. The the tonal issues stand out more because at, at the time this is episodes four and five, and we'd had yeah. So the, so the only episodes that weren't block one that we'd had were end of the world and the unquiet dead. So I don't think it wasn't so much that we knew because you know because it's quite like it's quite like Rose. Yeah. And Rose has its Rose has its issues. It does. Yeah. In terms of you know. Being you know maybe a bit more zany and but well it's all it's all of a muchness. So in, to my mind, I didn't know that Doctor Who was going to settle into being you know that that little bit lean that bit more towards the dramatic when we were watching this. You know we didn't quite know where it was going to go, and it was only really when the following week when Dalek turned up, we thought oh bloody hell okay now now we're firing all cylinders and this is clearly the way it should be going. Mm-hmm. I think, and then then you think, okay, so end of the world, and especially I'm quite dead, sort of settle into being there close to the template of what you want modern Doctor Who to be, mm-hmm. and then then this becomes a cure, you know, that's somewhat hyperactive and totally off. In and and again, yeah, the CBBS kind of or CBBC, not CBBS, <laughs> not quite that, not quite that extreme, you know. So that so that feeling kind of kicks in a bit more in hindsight and especially when you then see that they obviously they re- revisit the S- Slidine with Boomtown later in the series and they're clearly doing a course correction for themselves mm. 
then in how they treat Margaret Slithy. Interesting. So I think it didn't it didn't stand out glaringly to me at the time, but and I quite I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to doing this rewatch. I get yeah, I guess that will be the mm. bottom line. That's an interesting observation that you think possibly <clears throat> even Russell might have decided this this wasn't quite what it intended and course corrected. Because I don't know whether I think that or not, but we can. What I can say is that you know I'm always saying about. <laughs> stories from Mr. Moffat's era and even even some of the later Russell series when we when we watch some of those lesser episodes those filler episodes those episodes that at the time nobody cared about <laughs> because they weren't part of some grand arc and we look back and we think this is ter- extraordinary stuff why how, how did we not realize how lucky we were but my opinion on this one hasn't really changed since 2005 I always thought or maybe not maybe not immediately afterwards but from the perspective of having seen the whole of that first series I think all my most of my problems with it were with the execution, so they're mostly yeah. production problems. And but I didn't have that many problems with the basic concept, bearing in mind where it stood in the trajectory of that series, which was quite specifically bringing Doctor Who back to a new audience that didn't know Doctor Who, may not know science fiction, may not understand the concept of a Saturday evening family program, all the things that he needed to do to ease people in. I thought most of it was justified justified as how pompous can you get <laughs> most <laughs> most of the tonal differences within it and some things that may may strike you as odd odd pacing choices but i think most of that was all of course of course everyone moaned about the emphasis on rose's family didn't they all the all the doctor who fans i don't imagine the general public did because that's why it's there it's there to give people something to latch onto, something human to ground it and um because I'm not one of the Doctor Who fans who doesn't like any th- jokes or silliness, I was never horrified by the time we spent with um, Jackie, for example, or any of that side of it. I always found that alternately amusing and moving, and as I still do. And then in terms of the science fiction angle, look at all the things it's doing. Showing us first contact, getting that out of the way quite early. That seemed quite a novel idea back in 2005, because we'd never had... In all those decades of Doctor Who, we'd never had first contact. It's always skirted the issue. It was something always... It had never happened in the present, and it was always something that's going to happen in the future. But now we've been going for 40 years. <laughs> he decided to take the bull by the horns and combine now with real world, with the Doctor Who world. And for a brief period of time, that was quite invigorating, I thought. On the other hand, I didn't think the farting aliens was a particularly good idea then, and I still don't. I don't, I don't really understand if that's supposed to be there to amuse children or if it's supposed to be something that makes it unnerving and more frightening in the same way that having the our aliens giggling all the time and enjoying <laughs> their little escapade is supposed to be unnerving rather than just having them twirling their moustaches. Yeah, I mean, I, so, so I, I, mean, I think that, that broad humour, I, 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 I think it is there to, to attempt to engage the, the younger audience. And I, and I think you do see a return to some of that with the Sarah Jane adventures later on, mm. as if Russell T. Davis has said, actually, you know, that this sort of thing could work, but not in the, in the main series. I mean, the thing that I was going to say against all of that broad humour is that actually it starts very dark. You know, it's all about mm. actually 12 months have passed. Jackie thinks that, that Rose has disappeared off the face of the earth. Mickey's been mistaken for a murderer. You know, and it actually takes you through the consequences of, of, of time travel. So, so uh, you know, that bit actually, I think, has aged quite well. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I mean, history tells us so. But the fact that 
what Russell T. Davis was doing was not only telling all sorts of different Doctor Who stories in that first season to try and, you know, there must have been a certain amount of experimentation as well as, you know, seeing if, yeah. if which, which different departments could deliver the different requirements of different Doctor Who stories, but also... You know, he was selling tat. You know, he was having to convince either an audience that were ignorant of Doctor Who or an audience that had been conditioned to think that that thing that they'd loved when they were kids was a load of old tits. So so it's not just that he does these good individual episodes and that he's plotted the season. He, he, he sells Doctor Who in stages mm. and very carefully stops anybody getting the bends by being exposed to anything a bit too much straight away. I, I think it's it, it, in terms of, again, looking at the history of it, the way that that whole series is panned and packaged is is better than anybody could have hoped for. Mm. And as you say, coming back, the, the first the first twist being, oh, she's been gone a year, and you go, oh, time travel's not that straightforward then. Oh, okay. The fact that it has that impact, the fact that, yeah, potentially annoying characters like Mickey and Jackie, actually I found by the middle of the second episode when it's Mickey with the, the baseball bat and they're backing away and locking themselves into the bits of the kitchen, you're suddenly finding, oh, these are the bits I want to get back because I'm enjoying, I think, creating that expanded universe of characters, mm. which, you know, Doctor Who didn't do particularly often uh, in the older, that, that suddenly you've got audience favourites who aren't necessarily the, the two regulars or the two leads or whatever. It just makes you, you know, you enjoy those. He's very clever at making people that would probably annoy you in real life, like Jackie Tyler, actually terribly lovable and very brave in their own terms and 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 the real suffering that that she has because because of her daughter and i think camille kajuri is absolutely fantastic and and i also think i mean i laughed out loud at uh, mickey's line when he said you know yeah i didn't see anybody else but mostly because they thought i'd murdered you <laughs> which i thought which i thought was fantastic i i do think i do think noel clark's performance gets a bit more settled later on in in the season yeah but I do enjoy him in in that that second episode. But as yeah, there's just just a bit of way we're turning. But I but I think in terms of as you say, what this two parter represents, bringing it down to earth, you know, having ten Downing Street, having a bit of modern political satire, having I think that the, and and the, the the farting aliens. I I do like that line. Would you not mind not farting when I'm trying to save the world? <laughs> but I remember saying on a on a on a forum back in the days when I was stupid enough to venture opinions in cyberspace. Somebody was, you know, moaning about them, and I said, "Well, it's actually quite a good shorthand for my son because he knows that it's the the big ones who burp and fart. There, that he, you know, he feels good because he goes, oh, he just farted. He must be one like when the policeman does yes. it. Goes, oh, he must be one <laughs> of the things.' And this and this bloke on Ambrose Gallifrey went, well, uh, I mean, uh, what sort of stupid child wouldn't understand that in the first but or something? I was going, yeah, all right, mate, you've you, you've got one over a four year old child. Well, well done <laughs> for kids." It's a just a great little shorthand to go. Ah, yeah, I'm I'm ahead there. I mean, I'm not a fart jokes kind of fella at the best of times, so it's not necessarily to my taste. But I can sort of see why it's there. But I can also see why they didn't sort of go in that direction and the burping bin uh, again. And they the Slitheen do feel a slightly better fit in the Sarah Jane adventures. Yeah. Also, and I think they've said they said this pretty much near the time. You either do a monster with a practical effect in a costume, or you do a monster in CGI, 
you don't have them sort of wobbling through the door in one shot and then streamlined stomping creatures in the wide shot as they go from one door to the other. And the mixture of the two, that the sort of matter and antimatter of special effects, (laughs) you know, is tangibly dissonant, if you like. But it's, I mean, in, in terms of what it's doing to the series at the time. You know, I like Doctor Who when it's serious and dark, and and these are perhaps slightly lighter and sillier in places, but actually it's when Doctor Who forgets that it's silly that I think you'll get in real trouble. And even though it's my taste to have a darker story, when Doctor Who gets a bit po-faced is when it forgets that it's actually supposed to be a family-friendly entertainment that is that enjoys the inherent silliness of its own concept. You can't be too po-faced about that, or you end up looking silly in the wrong way. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a it's a matter of the the execution and the directorial stuff that some sometimes overplays things and so on. I think there's nothing wrong with the 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 first idea, and yeah, I think it is a clever it's a clever tell for the audience to spot who are the Slitheen. It's yeah, it's a fun fun little tell. It's just just the way it's over. I do wonder if it was possibly slightly um, overdone. It, there was less of it in the script, but it got inserted more often, whether by the director or the actors or whatever. Thinking, mm. I wouldn't normally think that, but I believe the burping bin wasn't scripted and, and came about because in post-production, because somebody was somebody's enthusiastic idea to try and liven it that up a bit. That brings with me so as well, yeah. It could just be the product of over-enthusiasm. But, mm. but, but then there's an audacity about the fact that the first alien is pigs in space yeah you know yes it's, uh, and, and then you have that and you go what it's a that's and then the pig gets shot and the doctor's sad <laughs> and that does everything in mm. like 30 seconds you go oh it's an alien oh that's stupid yeah. he's killed it oh i'm really sad now <laughs> uh, everything that you need from doctor who it's scary it's ridiculous the ridiculousness is undercut by genuine proper uh, emotion really well sort of acted and presented and you just go hit the economy with which russell t davis manages to do all of those you know key things that doctor who does well there's nothing sort of miraculous and having that you know going we don't just have an alien spaceship crashing we'll have it smashing into the side of big ben yeah and then hitting and you just and that that shot is fantastic. I know it's yeah. been reversed. Oh, absolutely. Reversing. It's, you know, it's, a, it's just a brilliant idea. Yeah, brilliant. Mm-hmm. And to think that was the very first sequence they um, they shot. It was the entire new series, wasn't it? Was it? That was the first location filming they, yeah, first filming they did was the hospital scenes. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought the first, I thought the first scene shot was the one between Dr. Sato and the general when yeah. they're looking at the pig's corpse. So I think the first, ah, right. I think okay. the first the two actors to record dialogue for for Doctor Who right. when it when it started again were Rupert mm. Vansittart and uh, Naoko. Yeah, Nino. okay. Yeah. Mm. But I'm I, I'm I'm not saying that's a hundred percent fact, but that is what I think without looking anything up. I could well believe it. And Rupert Vansittart is married to the daughter of Murray Watson from Black Orchid. So there's a link. <laughs> Tegan's mate, yeah, bro. (laughs) I vaguely remember that there was a pig alien in this, but only vaguely. And what I had forgotten is that the story starts with a mystery, doesn't it? So it is a bit. There's a minor link there with android invasion. Sorry, I got ahead of us. Links come later. Yeah, no, no, because the Slytherin are quite memorable. One tends to think that it's all that it's just them stomping around, guffing from the get go, but. It's as you say. It's 
it gets through a number of different doctor tropes as well as tones in the first what long was it half hour or so mm. well and and you know we get the alien invasion conveyed through newspaper yeah. uh, you know through, through reports oh, reporters yes, and newsreaders that yeah. that i just i mean i love and it's such a such a shorthand in it and it makes it feel more realistic oddly the actors playing newsreaders are slightly more convincing than andrew marr who's playing himself <laughs> which is really odd because i remember being so excited to go you know this and especially if it gets you know a a, a, a premiere member of sort of serious news reporting lending their clout to our mm. series to make it and, and and then he decides to act which is a which of course then when other people come in later and, and play themselves it, it 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 works much much better but mm. uh and andrew marr i think tries to, yeah tries to perform do a performance and and actually it seems less realistic than if you'd got an actor to do it i do i like the blue peter bit with the spaceship mm-hmm. yeah though. yeah it's brilliant it's all very well written and, and very nicely structured because it the doctor doesn't get involved in the main story for quite a while yes now if this was a season 22 story because i did think i at the time i thought that it took new doctor Who a while to work out a structure two-part stories in the same way that they kind of failed to do it with the entirety of 1985 but anyway if this had been one of those early sixth doctor stories the doctor would have been left outside wandering around would have had plenty of scenes of him he'd probably been in the tardis for 20 minutes then he'd have got out then he'd have wandered around for another 20 minutes here he doesn't get involved with the main story that's because he's got something else equally important to do he seems more alien when he's sat in jackie's flat watching tv <laughs> rather than less alien that I thought was interesting. I couldn't really imagine any other doctor doing that, even though he's kind of, he's very human <laughs> from his clothing to his accent and many other. He seems like a very odd human rather than an alien. But he also, as soon as you see him sat in the living room, you realise that this man is not, this man is not normal. Well, it's so funny as well because it's, he's trying to he's trying to gen up on what's happening with the alien invasion, and everyone's talking. It's like trying to watch the doc. Yes, it's like yeah. trying to watch the Doc Two Christmas special yes, when your yes. family's around, you know. And it's such a witty way of doing it, you know. It's yeah. such a it's such a great way of playing with all of that stuff. Really, really deftly done, I think. And, but also at the same time as as it's as there's the sort of humour going on of that, there's also this dark thing that's happening with with Jackie as she's sort of getting torn apart by what's happened and she ends up calling the hotline mm. and yeah. and precipitates actually more danger yeah. for rose than if she hadn't done anything and you can't blame her for it can you no 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 not at all but but i i, I like that the fact that you've got that kind of you've got this darkness at this uh, right beside the the humor uh, and also but in the in the sort of post x files landscape you know suddenly then having the red alert and the government yeah. people going oh we know about this guy that suddenly that felt like suddenly doctor who was terrifyingly modern the fact that, that downing street would have a red alert when somebody says tardis or the doctor or whatever mm. and that and that made again me feel that my little program was sort of somehow you know Im, Im, important and, and and exciting and grown up and i i mm. you know i loved that i was i was craving that at that that period you know mm. And I love all that, you know, having it in 10 Downing Street it was very smart because it, it, it sort of lifted the, the whole consequences of, of everything. The remarkable thing that this aired, which is something we'd forget about in retrospect, just in the run-up to the 2005 election. Right. Yeah. The following week we had the Vote Dalek Radio Times cover, okay. which yeah. was actually election week. Yeah. But they were remarkably on and out, as, <laughs> as, as Russell yeah, on several occasions tended tended to be. I mean, I guess they probably could have. I don't know whether it factored into their thinking. I guess they they wanted to do it anyway, but 
in terms of when they pick their transmission slots, the fact they could they could probably have guessed that there would be a, there might be a general election in May two thousand and five because there'd been one in May ninety seven and then one in May two thousand and one postponed to June because of foot and mouth. So on a four year cycle, they might have guessed. But yeah, again, it was just capturing the zeitgeist kind of thing. Well, there are lines that stick out, aren't there? Harriet Jones says, "I wasn't one. I'm not one of the. I wasn't one of the babes." Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, yes, the Blair's yeah. babes, and and of course the famous one. You know, the massive. Our yes. inspectors have seen massive weapons uh, of destruction. Well, the whole yeah, it, yeah, that I mean, can be whole... unleashed in forty five seconds. I still, I, mean, it's I not, still, it's not subtle. All these years on. Can, can you imagine though? <laughs> I mean, in, in in the current setup, if the BBC had dared to it air post Joe Lycett world, yeah, if, if, if the BBC had dared to air something like this, and you know, you, you sort of opened a door, and there's there's the remnants of a party going on, or something like that, you know, it would everyone was so, up would have been up in uproar. Was yeah, there actually, any controversy? Well, there wasn't, so was there? It didn't it. do Blair any harm either. Because... Well, I guess that tells us the difference between a Labour and a Conservative government, doesn't it? Alistair mm. Campbell probably wasn't happy, but he wasn't He wasn't one of these lot we've got now, was he? <laughs> it's it's the times where you, ca- you can't stick a cheeky line into a drama. You have to get onto a podium and call them mur- liars, murderers and bastards just to get the message through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, never mind Doctor Who saying it. I'm just going to say it. It's easier. <laughs> Yeah. And the since we touched on that now, and I think the satire and the the news coverage is is interesting. I think it works. There's more to it than than just that massive weapons of destruction line. I think because the whole the news coverage stuff that gave me instant flashbacks when when I was watching that. That just reminded me of nine eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of like yeah. the these things with global impacts. So I thought bloody hell, yeah! I, I remember being glued to the screen. Yeah, during. It's just updating that whole sort of BBC Three live from Devil's Hump stuff to the to the modern yes, media landscape, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And it needed. Uh, but I, th- I think there's that. There's the there's the fact that Slitheen scheme is is more or less you you could probably think of it as a satire on oil wars in general because it's like oh let's go in and plunder them for their resources kind of thing. Mm. I think there's a, there's an element you could look at it. it might, maybe it's reaching a bit, but it, it struck me watching it. I thought, oh, that's what, yeah. Well, it's, it, and it's quite nice that it's not even a very elegant plan. It's basically we're just gonna mm. we're just gonna mess this place up so it becomes a sort of radioactive slime and self. You know, we're not mm. we're not even gonna try and make use of the indigenous population, turn them into mm. willing. We're just gonna we're just gonna smash it to bits uh, and sell it for scrap. And yeah, <laughs> first of many <laughs> many news series stories where it's actually capitalism and. Uh, or profiteering yeah. mm. that's the yeah. issue, which I gather some corners yeah. of fandom don't like, but hard luck. <laughs> yeah. We're a very, very right-wing podcast, as we... As <laughs> oh, we yeah. Are, yeah. I'm actually incredibly <laughs> right-wing. <laughs> Nonetheless, I still think you have to do it well, because otherwise mm. you appear... There's nothing worse than seeing your own arguments rendered smugly or badly or lazily, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch something that challenged my sensibilities mm. if it did so in a in a way that that made me that 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 exercised the old synapses than than just yeah. one that went that, that patted me on the back for my own uh, the, the conclusions I've reached in my life. Last time I was really last time my I just really challenged. I really was made to think about Doctor Who was that one that told me that Amazon was actually the, oh, yes. the, the good guy. <laughs> it didn't yeah, matter yeah. how many people yeah. they killed. <laughs> they were doing it yeah. for my own good. That made me think. I won't tell you what it made me think. Cause it's a family <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
but you, you, you stay clear of bubble wrap for a couple of weeks anyway. I mean, fundamentally as well, I mean, it feels modern and yet it isn't. You know, it, you know life has moved on again. It's post-mobile phone and it's post-internet, but it's pre-smartphone. So, oh, weren't the little phones lovely? Yeah, Nokia's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you have to you have to be at a PC or a television if you're going to find anything out, but you can sort of still exchange mm. photographs. I think the idea that the password to a secure site would be something <laughs> similar as Buffalo, Buffalo and not even require yeah. any special <laughs> characters or. <laughs> was a bit outdated even <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then the same the same password throughout the entire yeah. site it, it did. Yeah. i mean i mean probably was in 2005 i don't in, in i fairness. think that was a bit but, of a but, museum but, piece even then <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah and, and and there's also this slightly odd thing as well where it's okay to have fat people as figures of fun and you can have rose describing the doctor as being gay when he feels a slap but you know and, and look i mean when when it's Russell T Davis writing it, I, I guess you know there's there's no malice in that. But at the same time, it, 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 if you watch that now again, you sort of feel oh we wouldn't we wouldn't do that in that way. I'd like to know if he's got anything to say about that now because the one thing I've always remembered, and I can't remember how many years after the event he said this, but he said that that he was shocked when Rose said that as, as an example of the way he feels his characters live right, um, okay. outside of his pen. He found her saying that, and he didn't okay, like he, it, but he kept it in. Okay, okay. Yeah, not enough. the actual. <laughs> but no, he wrote that and then um, thought, oh, that's not very nice of you, Rose. But he left it yeah, in because he thought it was no, true. And yeah, that's the thing. Nice people say bad things. Good yeah. people mm. say awful things when they're with friends of theirs as, as a catharsis because you can't say them in public or on record. Writers give characters things to say that they don't actually think themselves. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that, that I find interesting coming back to it now is... Is, is this sort of view of age because when it first went out I'm, I was in my mid-30s I mean fair enough Camille Kaduri is only a couple of years older than me but at the time I don't know looking back at it now anyway Billy Piper and Rose look very very young Camille Kaduri looks quite young I sort of see more now that Jackie is the still young mother of a woman and you know and, and they both have their kind of things that they want to do in life and yet, I didn't see that as well. I suppose when I was younger, that dynamic and and you know, quite how much of her life Jackie still has, and yeah, she's got her own things going on, and she loves Rose, but at the same time, I mean, it's 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 a very complicated setup, but it's very true to real life, I suppose. Yep, yep. We'd never really had a companion with a plausible, let alone realistic, family life before. And we didn't get that many after, did we? <laughs> after this era, but it was a brief... <laughs> and also, I, th- I think but it's not just that it's a plausible setup; It's one that is rung for all of its emotional consequences. And I don't mean emotional as in lovey-dovey or soapy, which people oh, accused this, this approach to mm. who being, which, which, I, uh, which I, I reject, really. But... It's not just the fact that Rose is pulled by the adventure. It's the fact that that is actually a slight on her mother. You know, it's yeah. not It's not just, oh, I'm going because space is exciting. I almost have to say, because it's better than this, mum. And then mum's perfectly entitled to go, hang on, this is the life I've built. You've got a problem with me. I've worked hard and I've tried to be a good mum. Are you looking down on me? So then yeah. suddenly it doesn't just become a practical thing. 
and you know a contrast to the otherworldliness which of course is doctor who's great appeal is that extraordinary things happen in 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 front of a sometimes very mundane and recognizable backdrop and it's that juxtaposition that makes it thrilling you know yeti on the loo in tooting beck or whatever but he's taken that and he's added an emotional element to it as well uh, and a sort of character-based core where it's sort of going uh, oh are you getting too big for your boots now then Madam, and she's just got to go. Well, no, I just want to go into space, and then suddenly it, it seems like every argument you might have with your parents about whether it's going to university yeah, yeah. or whether it's it's hanging out with that person or doing that thing, and that that is somebody that the the, the fact that he's putting it, all this into a a science fiction adventure about farting aliens tr- trying to start World War Three in Downing Street is again part of the reason he's really good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably preferred that side of the story to the aliens at the time, and I still do it's it's unfair to say that it's it's aged better but um but it has the revisit with the time gap kind of thing i'm I'm trying to think because we'd had new adventures by this time and it it feels like the kind of thing that the new adventures were exploring but i'm struggling to actually think of a concrete example of them having done that sort of thing it's nice when it comes full circle at the end when they have the same discussion all over again it's odd that nobody raises the fact when the when rose is promising Jackie, that she can be gone and be back again in ten seconds, and and I was thinking as I watched it, it's odd that nobody says, "Well, you said what happened last time," but of course that would have been clunky writing. What we actually get, which is Jackie waiting for ten seconds, she doesn't say what she's thinking until the ten seconds up, and then she just walks off. I mean, it's just perfect callback, isn't it? Yeah, and the stuff with Mickey and the Doctor is nice. It's now that's that was something that struck me is. The Doctor is a bit of a prick to Mickey. Yes. And it buys us that lovely bit at the end where, you know, he gives him the, the virus to and, and he says, look, I don't, I don't want to come. And the, and the Doctor says, you know, takes ownership of that so yes. that, you know, it gives them a nice moment. But all of that Ricky instead of Mickey stuff, it's sort of like Pertwee at his worst, isn't it? You sort of want to, you want to kick him. And I think... The modern doctor does suffer from that occasionally. It happens with Martha, doesn't it? When Martha has her mate who cries a bit because they're on the moon and the doctor goes, oh, you're, you're rubbish. You're not going to be my companion. I want this one that doesn't blub. Yeah. Even though most of us would be the mate. So it's a bit... Um... <laughs> yeah. And so, you you know, if it's not careful, it's, it's a real fine balancing act, isn't it? Because you go, well, we've got to show that Rose is special, but there's a danger of then sort of being elitist if you're not careful. And I think the doctor doesn't come off well sometimes in the way that he is with with Mickey. But then that does buy that lovely moment. And in fact, Mickey, who I'd not liked in Rose at all, really, and it wasn't all Noel Clarke's fault, I don't think, (laughs) but by the end of Aliens of London, when he's sitting loyally on the bin and he's had Mm. his hero moment, all of that, I was like, oh, well, is is that deliberate? Was I supposed to? Mm. Was I supposed to make that journey? Because I ended up, as I say, liking the bits with, with him and Jackie, probably as much as anything else although obviously the standout scenes are the ones where they're where they're locked in the room and the doctor does the narrows it down narrows it down and you go oh this is a if i was to do a compilation of clips where i'd have a sort of doctorish moment from each doctor this Mm. i'd stick this one in the ninth doctor where he's where he's working out what the planet is just by having information thrown at him and also when he's facing off and they've got the they've got the port and tarot jones goes pass you're supposed to pass it to the left and all of that you go you're doing all this face-off stuff you're getting the plot out there all this expositionary stuff but it's still got vim and it's still got character 
character and it's got nice jokes that have been well played, you know, peppered amongst it. It's so sort of peppy and and, and full of verb and little grace notes that uh, you go, God, they're, they're getting that stuff really right. That's really Doctor Who-ish it's really in- before we've even got used to having Doctor Who back. It's interesting that the narrows it down bit is the ninth Doctor, one of the ninth Doctor's best moments. Um, it may not be the most representative or typical, but it is uh, it is one of his best bits, isn't it? But, I mean, on paper, it feels like a sort of Sherlock Holmesy sort of thing to do, rather than a doctorish thing to do, using his encyclopedic knowledge. But as you say, it's the way it's written, the way it's played, with that speed and energy and attack, as they say in the business. It mm. makes it very different from the rather, you can imagine the rather ponderous way that Holmes would go about making the same sort of deductions. It's an interesting mixture. It sort of doesn't feel very Ninth Doctor, and yet, obviously... It is very Ninth Doctor, which is why he's such an intriguing character. And, of course, there's so little of him. That is, we, even 13 episodes, we don't quite get to grips with exactly who he is. What you were saying about his relationship with Mickey, I couldn't decide if, if his rudeness and unpleasantness, really, and bullying, <laughs> was just overwritten. Or if, it might, or if it's a combination of the, the lines and the way Christopher Eccleston plays it, which may be a bit harsher than other other actors might have gone what do you think do you think it was i don't like to see the doctor being quite that rude and but i couldn't work out if, it, if perhaps it would have come across as playful if if given a slightly different spin in the delivery yeah i don't really well, like, it's like it. isn't it isn't it very reminiscent of, of capaldi shouting out pe you know it, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's the same kind of mean spirit really i think i think there's an extra edge because of the way it's played i think maybe on paper some of the modern doctors have been a bit rude ruder than uh, we've seen other than the sick well i mean pertwee pertwee can be very rude and, and mm. baker can yep. be very rude as well but but somehow there, there was a warmth of well there could be a warmth it's, about it i don't know it's something about the cons- the consistency with which he goes at mickey and even after he's corrected it feels like he's gaslighting mickey after he corrects him when he's got his name wrong but he he, he just keeps changing the line of his attack in in a very quick Several lines in quick succession. He has a going from a different angle, and Paul Rick is. It just feels like bullying to me, and it's. Well, it's it is it is punching down, uh, you know. Per, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, Tom Tom Baker tends to be obtuse with authority mm. figures, you know, to, mm. and and Pert be patronising to cabinet ministers or, yeah. you know, R- Ralph Cornish before he realises he's one of the good guys or whatever, and also just getting someone's name a bit wrong. I mean, it's hardly it's hardly Oscar Wilde, is it? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. But I assume it was all. I assume this, I, went, I don't want to say arc, but I assume the development of Mickey and Jackie's characters was, was planned across the season. Because if it, Yeah, and it, and, and it really earns it and, and it all works out in the end, yeah. Whether it was or it wasn't, we also, of course, very soon get Adam as the example of not a companion. So I think if, mm. assuming Adam was planned, ergo that was, it was never planned for Jackie or even Mickey to be our example of how not to do it. In Rose, it seems like Mickey's been set up for that. In fact, we pretty much get told mm. that, don't we? That he's... But the stark contrast between him and Rose. But he gets his he gets his development quick enough that we then get a second example of, of somebody making more egregious mistakes in the audition mm. process for, for Companion. We also get, in this one, we get the return of Unit. So So we sort of... We've got that moment where he's watching the telly and he says, "Oh, you know, it's Unit. I recognise them." And we we sort of feel, "Oh well, you know, that's that, that's going to work out well." And then then he kills them all off, you know, in in two minutes, right at the end of episode one. Do you remember there were fans at the time who were really angry about that, who thought that, that was it? We were never going to see Unit again, and they were felt really personally attacked by it. 
God, I know they were famously understaffed, but there were only about nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> We've sent the whole of units to deal it's not with like this. they got John Levine and, and Nick and everybody in to kill them yeah. off in person. Oh, dear. Mm. Yeah. Very <laughs> It was quite it, historically, though. It was quite interesting hearing them say "United Nations Intelligence yes. Task Force" because, because of course, they then became, for some reason, I've never quite worked out. They weren't allowed to be called that anymore for a bit, and they were the unified, yes. whatever. Mm. So it was it was weird to be sort of back there, knowing what you knew happened later. But um, but that was all brilliantly placed as well. He goes, um, "Oh, make sure you've got your your name tags on you," and ah, it's the name tags that have the and i mean it's the first cliffhanger and of course it's a multi cliffhanger because you've got jackie under threat in her kitchen yeah. you've got the doctor being electrified and is is it rose and uh, harriet yeah. being cornered by the slithine there mm. so so you know he's clearly going well if i'm going to give them the first cliffhanger i may as well make it a cliffhanger in every single department is this mm. it's very nice on paper it's overly picky of me to suggest that in execution it comes over slightly oddly because it's drawn out to such inordinate length that we get lots of scenes mm. of people just standing around watching these aliens reveal themselves but <laughs> it almost looks like a parody at times of a bad cliffhanger and i guess that's one of the things that they were learning how to film film and edit, again that's a directorial and edit these things yeah i promised i was going to say that <laughs> to explain why most of my problems with this with with the execution and that's one mm. of them i mean yeah i can watch it it doesn't spoil it, it doesn't ruin it for me but uh, it's a bit they held back the Slitheen completely, didn't they? We didn't see them in any pre-publicity or anything, I think, so... Yeah. Well, and they're, they're curious, you know, it's a it's a great idea, isn't it, having, saying we've got aliens that have a cute baby face but are these big mm. hulking reptiles. But let's not forget, and I, you know, I think I think we can all agree on certain elements of, of, of tone and, and execution, they were learning how to make a sort of television that hadn't been made in this country for a very long time and to make it that that special combination of things that shouldn't work together that do somehow but only under the umbrella of Doctor Who that that it got anywhere close to being any good I think is a miracle mm. to, to and 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 to have even within a a story that that is probably a bit subpar compared to the rest of that first year which itself is 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 a miraculous run it's the fact that you know we can pick so many nuggets of gold, whilst with the caveats that we've thrown in. I, I think is a testament to an awful lot of very good people working mm. a working a, a a lot of magic in the dark, really. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. When they designed by Russell himself, I seem to remember seeing a little card, one of his little cartoons of the baby face uh, Levine yeah. once mm, upon a time. Yeah. And I mean, it is an extraordinarily ambitious thing to try to create that costume. When you say, I mean. Yeah, a multi-million-pound feature film would have trouble pulling that off, and they don't. As you were saying, Giles, they um, or you talking more about tonal changes, perhaps uh, across the series, lessons learned, mm. but um, also in practical terms, when they bring the Slovene back just a few episodes later, they they learn quite a lot of lessons, don't they? They the screens are more limited. They're shot from different angles, different lighting. Everything has mm. changed. Yes, yeah, but it's still very like when when they lift uh, Indra Ganesh. Navin Chowdhury. Oh, yeah. Know, when they grab him and sort of hold him against, you know, that's a, that's a startling <laughs> sort of ju- juxtaposition between yes. be- between you know the the laughing, guffawing sort of jolly jolly round chaps farting away, and then suddenly it's this mm. beast that lifts this guy clean off his feet and slams him against the wall. Is you go, oh, hang on, we've we've underestimated these aliens that don't 
quite work. Nonetheless, there's a fastidiousness in the attempt to make them threatening despite all of that that makes you ad- ad- admire admire it somewhat, you know. And talking of that character, he gets a nice bit when the doctor's moving his body into the cupboard in episode two and asks what his name is. Harriet Jones says, never asked him. And the doctor just says, yeah, sorry. That's... But, it's not... but then they ruin it all by leaving him off the credits, oh. which if I was that actor, I would be really pissed off about. But there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But they actually run the credits slow enough you can actually read them as well, which is... You, you can actually read that he's not on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it was very nice to be able to watch the credits go at a reasonable speed and have all those people on it, and mm. that, made, that made the credit reading arsehole that I am very happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's interesting. Also, there's an optimism actually about the about this world that we kind of it's hard for us to feel the same thing in, in 2022. I mean, there's there's the the whole the idea that Britain might have handed over control of of its nuclear weapons to the United Nations. The the thought that there might be a golden age of that Harriet Jones might be you know prime minister. I mean, we lose that quite quickly in the series itself, but. There's a lot that that happens where you where you know I mean a, a, a prime minister stands in front of the nation and, and lies to them and and it actually seems like a, 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 a you know an unusual event and a bad thing and 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 so yeah it, it's a different era it's a different era it's a more optimistic era and it's kind of nice to see it but somehow you sort of feel gosh little did we know what we were what we were coming into well. <laughs> And Doctor Who in itself is the light in the darkness. You yeah. know, it deals it deals with terrible things, but it does so with glee and with zest and with verve and with a smile on its face. And it and it says all these terrible things that one of your best weapons is to face them with a sense of humour. Mm. And you know, I I suspect Russell T Davis will, you know, apply that same approach to today's yeah. world in in his writing. And I I would be mm. fascinated to see it. But I think. Which is what I've sort of alluded to earlier when I said Doctor Who sometimes I think gets a bit stuck if it's a little bit too po-faced. Mm. And we Doctor Who fans, I think, if if we forget what one of the, the great joys of Doctor Who is its joy, is its sense of light uh, mm. in the darkness, is its sense of, you know, the sense of humour is crucial to the the fact the Doctor often beats the bad, the monsters, because the Doctor is funnier than they are the doctor can conceive of ridiculousness and can behave in a way that is sort of obtuse and chaotic and fun and non-conformative and all of those sorts of things and that that behoves us as fans as well when we look at our show and to go you know if i'm to say well i you know i don't like that bit in aliens of london where the actors playing the the bad guys go a bit mad with it my friends could rightly say toby you you enjoy watching a program that's aimed to be suitable for children about somebody who travels through space and time in a police box that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Why, why, why are you expecting it to be really serious all the time? Mm. And I have to go, oh, yeah, that's very true, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting tonally that apparently one possibility for how that before they came up with the crashed spaceship or the crashing spaceship at the start, they were originally, it was going to be more Quatermass in the pit-like, that there was going to be a a crashed spaceship dug up in Tottenham, apparently, with a dead creature that was apparently just going to eventually turn out to be a side of beef found on board it. Well... And then then presumably... Swapped it for something more dynamic. Yes, essentially. yeah. Apparently due to, yeah, as Russell became more convinced that... Although good that this one 
must have been one of the first ones to have been written, but I guess he was still having meetings about what could be achieved, and so on. And this is Mike Tucker, because it's a practical effect, isn't it? The, I think the whole wiping out of Big Ben. Yes. Yeah. And everything, yeah. isn't it? So, It's a lovely, lovely model shot. It yeah. certainly is. I think it does make it a lot more dynamic, that start. Yeah. It's it's not unlike, Qua- you know, Quatermass in the Pit has events being conveyed on television mm. and reporters and, you know, Colonel Breen thinks the Martians are mm. what the space pig actually is. You know, he says, he says yes. yeah, the, the minister says, doesn't he, they're, they're, it's mm. like mermaids, of, no, it's Breen that says it, they're like mermaids at a fair made up of odds and ends of flesh and mm. bone. It's the oldest trick in the book. So that there, oh, are, yes. there are elements of Quatermass in the Pit. And I, I think... I would have been delighted if Doctor Who had aped Quatermass in the Pit that early on, but it's it's much wiser to go. Oh no, this is this is not like anything mm. that's gone before us. We don't have to apologise for what yes. this this modern iteration of Doctor Who is, which is this, which is yeah. this, and it comes so well formed, you know. Mm. Talking of very loose links, <laughs> it's just occurred to me that of course the um, well. The, Re- recurred to me that um, the android invasion and the whole awaiting awaiting return of a um, astronaut turns out to be carrying a plague, sort of. Yes. Is um, there's a quite mass experiment bit in mm. android invasion as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nigel Neal. Uh, well, and of course, Quatermass Two is all about government figures who are not who they seem to be because they've been taken over by yeah aliens. Good point. We've covered we've covered the full set. We've done the whole, and what happened at the end was they all went to Stonehenge uh, <laughs> and had a party. Yes, thrown in. Um, yes, Pandora opens. They all they all they all went to Wembley Stadium and got killed. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting what they decided to do with Harriet Jones, though, wasn't it? That you have that lovely thing of going, oh, the ordinary backbencher becomes mm. the the. But of course, a golden age wouldn't have been too. It would have made Earth extremely limited in storytelling. Yeah. Uh, mm. to, if should had you ever returned, you know. Yes, that was the other thing I was just going to point out that, considering that Boomtown, when we get Slitheen back, that whole thing hinges on, hinges on the moral dilemma thing. Yeah. For Eccleston, that is, that is resolved by a literal Deus Ex Machina, which I, I personally love as a um, bit of nervy storytelling by Russell. It's interesting in this one that that's Eccleston's moral dilemma, as it were, about putting Rose in danger. The whole thing with the missile strike in episode two is actually resolved by resolved by Harriet Jones standing up and saying, No, I'm in charge. Yeah. At which point Eccleston grins and you think, Okay, is there a, is there a time war kind of you know, there's maybe a in retrospect one could even, you know, think, Okay, is this some some time war reference to the doctor not necessarily wanting to take responsibility about these sorts of things? Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I have to rewatch all of the first series in in sequence at some point. It, well, it's, it's interesting also in retrospect. I mean, Harriet Jones says that she's chosen by the people for the people. It's actually quite similar to some of the stuff you get around the uh, Brexit referendum. So you know, I mean, it, uh, I, 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 again, I, you, you could read far too much into it, but it but it feels as she says it. Oh, this is this is a powerful thing, and it is powerful, but it's powerful in both ways. Mm. Yeah, and people want what they want, I suppose. Actually, thinking about it, that that then ties into what happens in the Christmas invasion, because the people would want her to to blow up the spaceship and, and deal with the menace in the way that she does, even if it's not what the Doctor wants. 
Yeah, and it's you know it's it, well done to the show for deciding to get to grips with the moral complexity and and you know showing the dirtiness of it all. Yeah. Actually, mm. again, you know, I'm I'm uneasy with with the show if it if it just plays to my innate liberal sensibilities. Yeah, yeah. I, I I want it to go, but these decisions you make, and you know, it's all very well to to make you know some of some of the glib points you do about just wanting everybody to get on with each other but actually sometimes nasty decisions have to be made and you Mr Liberal aren't going to be the one that's going to make them you know and I I think that's much more interesting than 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 a story that just says yes Toby you're right war is bad you know mm. well well done you can not you can nod now and feel better about yourself he doesn't let the doctor off easily and I, and i think that that stuff with jackie where she's going can you guarantee yeah. my daughter will be safe mm. and he can't answer her says yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot to say about the, what what you're doing mate and and you do enjoy it but that's not necessarily good but it never does that to the extent that it grinds the story to a halt or anything like that it, and and again if it got too navel gazing and po faced you it wouldn't be doctor who but chucking that stuff in for, you know, for sort of colour and character, and to and to make those scenes have an, an an extra edge to them is just is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could save the world but lose you, he says, yeah. uh, which is you know, again, it's 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 nice to think about that. Um, I mean, as as, you, as you're saying, Toby, I, I think it's always it's always more uh, to be admired people who who get stuck in and try and sort things out than people who stand at a distance and have high moral standards, but. But don't get their, their their fingers dirty. Yeah, yeah. Do we have uh, any other thoughts about these episodes? About this, yeah, this this pair of episodes before we kick it into touch. Well, it was just nice to revisit. It's nice for these to be historical documents. Now, I've I've mentioned this in other things I've done. When Emily Cook did the the Rose tweet along, we we had a friend staying with us, a disabled friend of ours, who decided to hole up with us during uh, lockdown because otherwise she'd have been on her own and she had never seen Doctor Who before and I did the tweet along for Rose and she she was in watching it and I said so you've never seen Doctor Who before what do you think of that and she said well it was different and I said different to what and she said everything and i thought that's a great that's a great description of doctor who uh, and mm. and she and she wanted to watch some more so i picked a few you know R- russell ones that i hadn't that, that hadn't seen for ages and, and worked through the first couple of seasons while she was still with us and you know so, suddenly looking back at these episodes i haven't seen for a while that i saw so many times when it, they first came out but i did skip uh, aliens of london world or three uh, on that on that occasion it's it's really interesting now that we can we can look back and and see them through through the lens of what has come since, but also their place in the history of the show. But with that knowledge and and that sort of race memory that we have of when they were new and it was all a bit frightening and was Doctor Who going to be successful and oh my god it was and it was in this way and that way and 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 I the, the sheer joy of all those different elements means that I know that I'll be able to watch this stuff time and time again for years to come and that fills me with with great joy and I also cannot wait until we start being able to properly dig into the history in in a way that we've 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 only sort of much more recently been able to do with the 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 classic series when when people's livelihoods don't depend on things and when people are just a bit looser-tongued or circumspect or whatever and I don't mean in terms of gossip now I just mean in terms of going actually that that didn't work or actually we could have done that a bit differently or or or, mm. or actually he hated him or, or whatever <laughs> yeah but uh, as I say I'm not, uh, the gossip side is is 
is immaterial really i know we all sort of that that's that's adds an extra bit of frisson to it but just in terms of what could have been what was what they felt at the time because we don't really know what they felt at the time because much of what we've got is through doc 2 confidential which would have been stupid if they'd gone well we'd, we didn't think that bit worked you know what i mean it's a, yeah. that, 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 that would be mad yeah. and, and it was great to have doc 2 confidential and, and to show how the special effects were done and also to get carried away in the enthusiasm so so i'm not i'm not dissing doc 2 confidential it did what it was supposed to do but there is there are whole layers of archaeology to be yes. done and i am thrilled as a boring old fart whose entire life centers around doctor who that there's so much of that to uncover and i i cannot wait and watching this story again well that i've not really that i thought of as a sort of flawed early entry it's admirable the amount that they do get right and it's great fun to watch and some things that bothered me at the time don't really bother because history tells us we don't need to be bothered by them Mm. so then you can just go oh well that's an interesting curio rather than Mm. the series is going to be destroyed Uh, and and i so i found it a really i i watched it in order to do this and was like i want to better do it then and came out the other end going oh i really enjoyed watching that it's great a lovely note to end on Oh, I thought everyone was going to do a monologue. <laughs> Hang on. So you've done it again. You've said it too well. Follow that. Yeah. <laughs> I, rely, I rely on us all doing it to a, you know about a third of <laughs> getting about a third right, so that we get one full sentiment between us. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> absolutely. We often talk about links, and I've got a few. I don't know. I don't know whether you've thought about this. I mean, most of mine are pretty tenuous. So, I mean, I've mentioned already. We've got unit got unit in both stories i mean it's the it's the it's the first outing for unit in in the new series it's the it's the not quite last but it's the last recognizable out, outing for unit I, I suppose for a long time in the old and, and until we um well, we have we have a smidge in the seeds of death don't we and uh, sorry seeds of doom and then we have a bit more in um battlefield mm-hmm. each of these is by a, a a very prolific writer from the series you know so terry nation I, I did. I didn't bother to add up to see whether whether Terry Nation or Robert Holmes was the most prolific writer from the old series, but he's he's in the top two, and equally uh, in the new series, uh, I guess uh, Russell T Davis and Stephen Moffat Moffat probably has done more, but but yeah, they're both very very accomplished at, at what they do in in the series. They but both alien races are not content with conquering the Earth. They just they want to wipe out all humans, uh, and in, and in fact that kind of overreaching is what possibly is the demise of the plan you know a guy crayford eventually goes mad in episode four because he feels he's been betrayed that that sticker didn't tell him they was going to wipe out the, the whole human race they were going to have the southern hemisphere weren't they mm. as you say with the slithine it's more of a financial thing but that almost makes it crueler i think the slithine i like the, the fact that with the slithine the genocide is a byproduct yes. you know that 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 sort of slightly reframes how we 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 deal with such things in Doctor Who in a way is that for for many alien races it's the end game because they're bad and yes. you know they like killing they want to kill and conquer whereas these guys it's it's actually it doesn't really doesn't it, they're not even that bothered do you know what I mean they're mm. they're smashing the otters environment to build their motorway you know or whatever it's uh, it's which almost makes it worse because because they they don't even enjoy that that aspect of it it's you know they don't even get the fu- they don't even get the mileage out of yeah. the, the 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 murder do you know what i mean yeah. it's just it's just something that kind of happens on the sidelines you know if you're going to kill me at least enjoy it yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting also i mean again this is tenuous stuff in a way but both of these stories they've been 
in the previous two, they'd been away in a kind of future space setting, and then they've been in a Earth historical setting, and then this is a sort of homecoming. Except, of course, in the Android Innovation, it isn't a homecoming. But, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's a return to Earth in the present day, so they think. And you get to meet some, up with some of the guest cast, some of their friends back on Earth, yeah. which doesn't happen in most eras of the programme. And in both cases, they come back to Earth, but it's not quite what they're expecting. Yeah. Mm. As you've got the time jump in one, but, yeah. A sp- space huh? jump in the other, yeah. Stock mm. footage. There's some very bad stock footage of a rocket in the Android Invasion. Yeah. Um, oddly unnecessary, mm. considering they've got a model, but then they cut to one a completely different bit of real stock footage. Yes. Whereas in Aliens of London, or possibly World War Three, we get, is it the first appearance of what will become the notorious stock footage of a lift going up and down? Which I think gets used in almost <laughs> in every other story in, in Russell's era. You're all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. That lift, were you not on the same forums as me? They kept showing the same footage of the lift going up and down the lift shaft. Every time there was a lift in an Earthbound story, they would show that. And then somehow it even appeared on Alien Planets. I think it's in New Earth, the same lift somehow. Well, well th- thank that's, you for I'm just trying to remember whether it comes that's up. That's your in homework. A... Go, go away and check okay. Russell T. Davis era Doctor Who stock footage lift. Thank you for enriching okay. us with that. Uh, I wouldn't have mentioned insight. it. I'm sure... <laughs> I'm trying to work out whether it's in the Both of them were, were the fourth story of the folks. respective series. If you want oh, obscure right. ones. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Not what you reduced yeah. me to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've we've got we've we've got a pilot of terrestrial origin uh, in each one. Guy Crayford and the pig. Um yeah. and at the end of the, each story you've got the doctor persuading his companion to come back for another trip. Hmm. I mean, they don't seem to require an awful lot of persuading, do they? But uh, there's, there's that kind of little bit of play in each case. Well, for that matter, on your, on your previous point, both involve the um, both involve the landing of spacecraft um, in ways that are not what they appear to be. Crayford's return and the, yes. and the spaceship, the yeah, soothing crash. Is it fair to say that both of them, considering that we're looking at these because they're doppelganger stories, alien invasion via the medium of doppelganger? that aspect isn't used to really surprise the audience because we really, in terms of, we know what's going on by the time we're ahead of the um, of the other characters on that aspect of the plot. I don't know if that's relevant or not. Maybe in this genre that isn't. Yeah, I suppose because Harriet Jones witnesses it before the Doctor I mean, so does, doesn't she? It doesn't know how it could be told any differently. I'm not saying it should have been because mm. it's the characters that are usurped aren't people we know mm. so it's just a plot mechanism within the story but it makes it a slightly different genre to uh, to the more sinister paranoid um doppelganger story there's a fairly chunky squaddy in world war three who uh you think oh is he going to be one right and he isn't i think in the number 10 security soldiers but yes it feels yeah you could have had more I don't remember the first of the slovene um to die is the actor eric potts who played Diggory Compton in Coronation Street. I think he was in Coronation Street at around the same time. He played a comedy baker. That's right. Yeah. He writes a lot of the, he writes and performs in a lot of the pantomimes done round oh. here. He's quite a, a, a well known figure up north in uh, in the in the world of theatre. Yes. I was a big Coronation Street viewer back then, and he was a. I think he was being trialled as a possible possible Fred Elliott replacement, and I guess it didn't take off because. Uh, yeah, he was in it. He was in it for years. a bit. Yeah, yeah, he was in it for a bit. Yeah, 
He's yeah, he's still still busy doing stuff up here. Yeah. The yep degree the, the uh, baker's daughter was Molly, who um, who Phil Collinson then killed off when he transferred from Doctor Who to Coronation Street a few years later. Oh. It dropped a tram on her. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so, the infamous tram. Sorry about that. It started with a comedy baker and it ended in tragedy. That's so popular. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Graham Williams presuming you dropped the tram on her. So, <laughs> sorry, I've done I've done it again, haven't I? Is that Graham a thing Williams, you do? Graham Harper. What? It wasn't. Yes, oh, it is a oh, thing I do. I thought you. We have we have an entire episode full of outtakes of me saying Graham Williams. Well, I mean Graham. Graham Harper. Graham Harper. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Graham Harper dropped a jam. Is that enough? Um, is that enough links, Richard? It's uh, more than enough. Is there anything else that anyone has to say, or should we just bring the thing to a halt? Who plays the policeman, by the way? Uh, what in the second episode? This that... yes, well, the one that's it's after familiar, Jackie. Oh, so, oh, Steve Spears. Of course well, it is. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's I was, great. I kept on watching him and thinking, where have I seen you recently? He's done, lo- done lots of, he does a lot of, uh, yeah, and he does lots of comedy. He's a very reliable sort of character comedy performer that's used in a lot yes. of sort of comedy, comedy dramas and things. Yeah, he's very good. Mm. Okay, well, look, I mean, thanks... Thanks, Giles. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Toby, for your thoughts on these two stories. Been been a great discussion we've had this evening. Thanks to our listeners who have made it through to the end. Thanks for listening to Something Who. If you enjoy what we do, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Tell your friends about us. And there's a whole raft of other episodes for you to listen to while you're waiting for the next one to come along. We we hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, we look forward to to coming back again. But uh, in the meantime, it's goodbye from us. Bye bye. Oh. Do we speak? Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) I've never known how to end these things. (laughs) Before I got COVID, um, which was a few it was a couple of months ago now, but uh, I was uh, I was uh, uh, practicing for a ten k run because I'm not a natural athlete at all, so I needed all the help I could get. So I had great fun uh, as dusk settled, listening to uh, you guys uh, and just going from one episode to another, and it was fantastic. I sort of dip into whatever story I f- I feel like hearing you talking about. So sometimes I think, oh, they'll probably destroy that one i'll have a listen to that uh and then, and then i think oh they might be they might be jolly about that one i'll have a listen to that and i'm not always right i do remember having a great was it was it gary jullet on D- delta and the bannermen i loved that was such a good podcast it was so funny it was it was such it was such good fun that podcast that that enlivened a particularly difficult run so i was i was very grateful to it because it was just so witty and good-natured and fun it was i really enjoyed it did I say Cedric Diggory when I was trying to <laughs> refer to this, this comedy baker? It's Diggory Compton. Cedric Diggory is from oh. Harry Potter. So um, ah. either leave this like embarrassing correction in or, or I'll okay. give you a wild Diggory. track of me saying Diggory Compton. And if you could it, replace them all one by one, Richard, I know you will. <laughs> I know you'll enjoy doing that. Here, Diggory Compton. <laughs> Diggory Compton.